Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Acts chapter 2. For those of you who haven't been here this week, I have been preaching entirely from the book of Acts since I started on Thursday night. Bill preached the first four uh, nights of the revival, and I started on Thursday, and we're concluding tonight. And the theme that I've been using throughout the sermons that I've been preaching deals with the Holy Spirit in some fashion or other. Tonight, we're going to be dealing with the subject, Repent, the specific subject, Repent and continuing with the general theme of the relationship of the Holy Spirit to us. We're down now to Acts chapter 2 at verse 22. And this is the beginning of Peter's sermon that he preached to the people of Jerusalem after the apostles had been filled with the Holy Spirit and came out of the upper room and hit the streets. They started preaching and people started being converted. And when this sermon was over that we're going to read, I'm going to read his sermon, 3,000 people gave their life to the Lord Jesus and were baptized that day. Some of you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus this night. Now it makes no difference what I say. It does make a difference what the scriptures say. And I'm going to read Peter's sermon and we're going to make some comments about that sermon and, and what actually happened as a result of his preaching it. But the setting is we are in the streets of Jerusalem. The people have said the apostles who have been preaching in in all of these foreign languages were drunk. And Peter gets up and advises them that they are not drunk, but they are full of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord God is directing what they're saying. And so we begin with verse 22 when he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God 
hath, hath God raised up. Wherefore, we all are witnesses. And therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which we now see and hear. For David is not ascended unto the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes my footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this unterward generation. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Our Father and our God, we ask now that as Peter spoke to that crowd of people and 3,000 responded, that you will speak through this service and through the words that I now preach to reach some heart here this evening and they yield their life to Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Peter preached a mighty sermon. It wasn't a very long one, but it doesn't have to be long to be mighty. And we saw a great miracle accomplished. The evidence has been very clear. No one in that 3,000 or more that were standing on the streets of Jerusalem that day could deny the fact that there was a man, a man named Jesus who claimed to be the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah, that died on a cross a few days earlier outside the streets of Jerusalem. They put his body in a grave and his body was absent three days later. And that same person that they had known and recognized had been seen by many, many people for 40 days. The evidence was there. This person was in fact who he said he was, the Son of God, who had come to be the Savior of the world. There is almost nobody in this country of ours, and I'm sure in this congregation tonight, that would deny the existence of Jesus Christ as the Son of God with their head. With our intellect, we know that there is an indisputable fact that God did give His Son to die on a cross for the purpose 
of shedding his blood that you and that I could be saved. And instead of our future being a destination of hell, our future is the destination of heaven. All brought about because of what God did in his son for you and for me. We won't doubt that. But the tragedy is the very people who with their mind will admit to believing that there is a son of God who died on the cross will not with their heart yield themselves to that same son. I cannot comprehend this in anything that we might do for one person to know with his mind what the truth is and not with his heart yield himself to it. But this is the fact of life. We've been through it. Most of us are Christian here tonight. I don't know how many are and how many aren't. But those of us who are can remember back to that point when we were on the other side of the decision and our thoughts were very similar if not the same as I'm expressing we did not feel that there was any need to do anything with this person called Jesus because it looked like we're going to live to be 100 years old and when we get to 99 years 364 days and we're ready to die then we'll make a decision the facts are, the older a person gets, the less likely it is that they ever will make that decision. The evidence is in. If you're 50 years old, you're less likely today to accept Christ than you were when you were 40. And if you've reached 60 and have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ or 70 or 80, your chances of ever becoming a Christian are drastically diminishing. Because your heart and mind are being set against making the decision that was clear to you earlier in your, age, in, your, in your life. That's why it's so important that young fellows like Jeff and others of our youngsters that we have baptized here in days gone by make that decision. Our kids need to yield themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ early in life when their lives can be molded for Christ. But you get out of your teenage years and your chances of ever coming back through that door and accepting Christ are going down the drain. If you are an adult today without Jesus Christ, let me tell you, I won't gamble on your ever doing it. Because the odds are stacking against you, not because the Lord does not want you saved, but because your heart is becoming harder and harder and harder. Satan is telling you there's nothing to this business. You're going to wait and you're going to wait, but one day you're going to wait too long. I want to ask you a question. Who really crucified Jesus? Who put the nails in his hands? And drove them in his feet. Was it the Roman soldier who had the hammer in his hand and the three spikes and pounded them in there? Was it Pilate who just a few hours before refused to intercede for Christ and allowed the people to take him to the cross? Did the Jews crucify him who denied him when he walked in their midst? Well, I think perhaps the answer to all three of those questions is yes, they all did it. 
But I think there's somebody else who did it just as well. I did it, and you did it. Let me tell you. Satan put the nails in our hand and the hammer in the other and said, pound them in. Pound them in. Crucify him. You don't want him. You don't want him. And we drove them in. The Lord Jesus laid on that cross there on the ground voluntarily. Nobody tied him to the cross. They lifted that cross in the air and dropped it in the hole in the ground and he was hanging there between heaven and earth, despised and rejected. looked up to heaven and he said Father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing do you know as you drove the nails in the hands and the feet of Jesus he prayed for you and for me and said Father forgive him forgive her she doesn't know what she's doing he doesn't know what he's doing why Why could he pray such a prayer? Because he loved with a love that is far supreme to what these girls sang about tonight. Any love that you and I might have for each other is just an inkling of the love that God has for his children. The love that you have for that child of yours, that little boy or that little girl that you raised and maybe now is an adult, but the love nevertheless that is there for your child is nothing compared to the love that God has for his children. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Sin has a penalty. We all know that. Nobody gets by with doing wrong. I've tried it, haven't you? Can you recall to those things that you decided to do that weren't right and you thought you would hide and nobody would ever find out? And you got caught. Remember the first cigarette you smoked? Nobody was going to find out about that because I hid down behind the barn where my dad and mom couldn't find me. I didn't realize that my grandpa was going to come around the other side. Remember those things that you have done, you thought you could get by with, only to discover that somebody was fully aware of what you had done? Remember, God above sees us at all times, and there are no secrets from Him. And he says the wages of sin is death. You're going to pay for your sin. Somebody's going to pay at least. But he did offer a substitute. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I'll pay the price for your sin with my life if you will accept it. If you won't accept it, you're going to pay for your sin with your own life. There's no two ways about it. 
The law is written. It's been true since God created the universe. When God put man upon earth, he enacted a law that has not changed. And the law says the wages of sin is death. You pay for your sin with your life. The only way to keep from paying for your sin with your life is to allow Jesus to pay for your sin with his life. I'm telling you flatly, there is a penalty for sin. Jesus was hanging there on that cross. And finally he looked up to the Father above and he said, it is finished. Then he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And the scripture says that he yielded up the ghost. That is, he left his body. And he said, the head of the body dropped. He went limp. And the body was dead. They took the body down off the cross. They put it in a grave as anybody would do with a body. Where was his soul? Do you know that his soul was in hell? Why? Because the wages of sin is death. What was he doing down there? Well, first of all, he was paying the penalty of death, of sin for our, our debt. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 8 through 10. And hold that for a moment because I'm going to come right back to it. I want you to picture hell from Old Testament standpoint. Now, if you don't understand this, listen carefully. In the Old Testament days, when a person died... The unrighteous went to hell. The righteous went to paradise, not to heaven. Not to heaven, to paradise. Hell in the Old Testament, picture it as a circle, if you will, and draw a line right across that circle. Lie all the way across it. On the top side of that is paradise, and the bottom side of that is hell, or in the Old Testament term, Sheol. S-H-E-O-L-E. -E. That's the old Hebrew word. When a person died, his soul went to paradise, or his soul went to Sheol. In Sheol, there was punishment and torment. In paradise there was peace and bliss and comfort. Jesus gave us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man went in and out of his gates every day and the poor beggar Lazarus laid at the gate full of sores begging for just some crumbs and the rich man had no need for him, no interest in him and he would pass him by. Finally both of them died and the scripture says that Lazarus went to paradise, but in hell 
the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. And he looked over that line that I drew called a gulf in the scripture and looked over there and saw Lazarus and recognized him. And there he was in comfort. And here he was in hell in Sheol in absolute torment, burning as Bill preached to us four nights about. Burning. And he called over to Abraham over in paradise and said, Abraham, send Lazarus and let him dip his finger in water and come over here and put it to my lips that I might have just that much comfort for I'm in torment. And Abraham said, no way. There is a gulf fixed between paradise and Sheol and you cannot cross from one side to the other. The rich man said, well, if he cannot come down here and give me some comfort, send him back to earth. I've got five brothers. Send him back to my brethren and tell them not to come here. Listen, hell is full of people tonight that would love to send somebody back to Turtle Creek or Chapmanville or Garrett's Fork or Danville or Madison and tell the people of our communities not to come here. Your friends and neighbors in hell don't want you there. Because they know now what it's like from first-hand experience. They don't want you. They would do anything now that they could do to keep you from coming to hell. They don't want a reunion there. They don't want families to meet there. They can't get out, but at least they've got enough fortitude and determination about them to do anything that they could, but it's nothing to keep their families and friends from coming to hell. But over there's paradise. When Jesus died on the cross, the scripture says that he went to hell. And when he came out, he came out with all of the righteous souls that were in paradise and he took them to heaven with him. Paradise no longer exists. The scripture says he led captivity captive. That's where we're in uh, Ephesians 4, 8 to 10. Wherefore he ascended up on high. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it that he first also descended into the lower parts of the earth? You want to know where hell is? Hell is in the center of the earth, folks. And it's hot down there. We know that from geological experiments that the center of the earth is a boiling moat of lava that spews out on Mount, uh, uh, the, the mountains all over this world. Mount St. Helens exploded. From the depths of hell it exploded. As a symbol from God to the people of this earth. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. He ascended into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is also is the same that also ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all, fulfill all things. All right. Jesus went down and there he took the righteous out of paradise, part of hell, the upper part, and took them to heaven with him. So that when a person dies today, 
his body still goes to the grave and his soul now goes one of two places. It still goes to hell where there is torment in the center of the earth to be punished until the day of judgment. If he is righteous, his soul goes immediately to heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And where is he? But on the right hand of the Father. When we die today, our righteous people's soul goes to heaven, and the lost go to hell. There is a day coming before the judgment seat of Christ when hell all people in hell will go to heaven for one day. That's all. And it's only for the purpose of judgment. For God to pass final judgment upon the unrighteous who have gone to hell and give them an opportunity to defend themselves before God himself and justify their actions if they can, and then he will condemn them into its, their final resting place, which is called the lake of fire. Well, Peter has preached a tremendous sermon. And they were getting disturbed. Verse 37 says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. Let me tell you, I hope you're pricked in your heart tonight. As a matter of fact, I hope that I'm driving nails into some hearts. It's more than a little prick. It's a real hurt to the soul. I hope the Holy Spirit is getting through and making you realize that there is a hell and the lost people of this earth are going there condemned to an eternity of damnation and the saved are going to heaven and whether or we go to hell or whether we go to heaven is based upon one simple little question. What did you do with Jesus Christ? That's all. Did you accept him as Lord and Savior? If you did, you're going to heaven. If you have rejected him as Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. And you're going to stay there and torment in that molten lava, if that's what it is, until the day of judgment. And then your final destination will be the lake of fire. They were pricked in their hearts. Are you pricked in yours? And they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? That's the $64,000 question. You ever watch that program? I never could figure out how to win that $64,000. Even watching it on TV. That question is important. What shall you do about the condition of your soul? You only have two choices. And there's nothing in between. The decision is to, as Peter said, repent. In verse 38, or reject. That's all you got. That's all there is. Repent or reject. Repentance is a turning away from your present style of life and turning toward God. It's a deliberate turnaround, a deliberate turnaround in one's life. I'm not talking about a remodeling job. I'm talking about an overhaul. I'm talking about a complete change. I'm talking about a complete different direction. A different commitment. When you change your life 
that has been lived for self and start living for God. When all that you and I do is designed to give God the glory, that's the turnaround we're talking about. It's a definite decision to reverse the course of your life. Many, many people are going down the broad road of life that leads to destruction. There's a four-lane highway out front here, and I've used this illustration many times. It represents the road leading to hell because it takes four lanes to get all the people on that want to go there. The road to heaven is a little narrow path off to the side. And there are very few that ever find that little narrow road. You need to put your feet on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. Repent. If a person will not repent of their sins, they'll never be saved. As a person said to me one time, and I've probably quoted you this, I don't know. I was talking to them about their need for salvation. This person said to me, I don't know as I've done anything so bad I need to be sorry for that I need to repent. And if that's your attitude, brother, you're on your way to hell. That person was on their way to hell. They saw no need of salvation. If you see no need of salvation, nothing I will say will mean anything. But listen, if you know, if you know you're lost, and you know that if you do not change, you're going to hell, tonight's the time of decision. It's time to turn around and go the other direction. It's time to put your feet on the path that leads to God and get away from living for the devil and for self. He said to repent. And then secondly, he said to be baptized. Now, baptism does not save. The act that you just experienced here this evening of the two people that were baptized, that was not their act of salvation. People who are saved are baptized. They were saved before they went into that water. Baptism, that is water baptism, is nothing more than a public demonstration of one's faith, a declaration of one's commitment, a statement to the world that all can see and believe that you have changed the course of your life, you've turned around, you have repented of your sin and have gone the other direction. Now some of you haven't done that tonight. I'm not asking you to be baptized. I'm not asking you to be a member of this church because you can be saved without being baptized and you can be saved without being a member of a church. You cannot go to heaven unless you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. That fact is true. I'm asking you tonight to repent. Repent. Of whatever. Because we're all sinners. Every one of us in this congregation tonight is a sinner. But there are two kinds of sinners. There's a saved sinner and there's a lost sinner. I'm a saved sinner. I, because I'm physical and weak and human, will continue to sin all my life. But listen, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he guaranteed me eternal life. If you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a lost sinner. Whose destination can be nothing to brag about. If you're not saved tonight, you ought to repent. 
Repentance is simply saying to the Lord, God, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I want you to forgive me my sins, and would you please save my soul? Listen, that's simple. But it's so important. It's so important. Will you do it tonight? Maybe you are a person who has been wayward. You're a Christian, but you've not been living like one. The world knows it. The church knows it. You know it. Your family knows it. Everybody knows it. Why don't you turn your life around and start living for the Lord and saying, by the power of God, I'm going to start living for Him from this day forward. Turn your life around and start living the way a Christian ought to live. Maybe you want to become a member of this church. That's fine too, and we'd love to have you. But most particularly... If you have never made a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ, turn your life around tonight and say yes to Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I'll ask you to step out of your seat and come down here. You say, well, I can be saved without coming down here. Listen, you can be saved without coming down here, but there's going to be no evidence of your salvation until you tell somebody, and we're giving you a chance to tell somebody. Jesus said, he who is ashamed of me and this adulterous generation, of him will I be ashamed before my Father, which is in heaven. If you're not proud enough of Jesus Christ and what he did for you to stand up for him, what do you expect him to do before God for you? Can he stand there and say, I'm proud of this child. Look how he's faithful. Look how she's faithful to me. Look how she's living for me. When you are ashamed to stand before a hundred people and say, I'm claiming Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. He certainly was not ashamed of you. He gave his life for you. Surely you can at least stand up and say, I accept him. We're going to give you that opportunity. Now listen, I've done all I can do. Bill's done all he can do in this week's preaching. This is it. We've laid it out as clear as we know how to lay it out. Now, if you want to start living for the Lord like you ought to, it's your decision. If you don't want to, that's, that's your decision as well. But I want you to understand, the Lord, if you're a Christian but you've been wayward, and not like you should have been, the Lord can't be proud of you tonight standing before His Father if you're not going to stand up for Him. Turn your life around, repent of your sins and your waywardness, and start living for the Lord like you ought to. If you're not a Christian, just say to God above in your own heart Lord I know he's talking about me I'm lost I'm on my way to hell and I want to go to heaven I ask you to forgive me and to save my soul it's that simple if you believe it God will save you not you you can't do anything but just yield just say yes Lord and then I'm going to ask you to put put feet under your faith and walk out that aisle, ask people to move, somebody will come with you if you want them to, whisper to your wife or to, to your husband or to a friend or a neighbor, if you would like somebody to come up with you, they'll come, mother or dad will come with children, whatever, that's no problem, but step out of there and make a decision tonight to turn your life around and go forward with God. <clears throat> William, let's pray. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.